0: Well, I'd like to begin with the discussion about truth, and to do that, I would like for the next 30 seconds, all of you to hold your breath. Ready? One, two, three. Take a deep breath in. No more breathing. Any of you. Because now you have to listen to my truth, and my truth is this. If you do not breathe again, you will die. Yes or no? Yes. The answer. You may now resume breathing. The answer was yes. This has been a lesson in objective truth. I don't care how you felt about my statement. The truth was, no more breathing. Deadness happens. Yes. Good. So now we have established that truth exists. I'm glad you're with me. So truth can either intrigue us or it can scare us. If I tell you no more breathing means certain death, that has two effects. One, someone can listen to my truth and say, oh, then I am now motivated to keep breathing. Or it can scare them and say, oh my gosh, this breath thing sounds terrible. Why are we allowing people to do it? If it can lead to certain death, oh my goodness. But it's the same truth. It's how you react to it that is the difference, is it not? Yes. Just agree with me, it goes much better. (laughs) And it's not only me who says this, it's the gospel. Because look, we talk about King Herod. And then we talk about these the three wise men or the three kings, do we not? So we have four kings. We won't count Jesus yet, but we have four kings we're talking about. And the same truth hits them very differently. The first king is scared. Herod wishes death upon anyone who might come against his power. And so when he learns the truth that there is this new king... He acts how any other worldly king would. And he is devious. He devises a plan that murders his enemies and secures his own power. Isn't that nice? Life-giving death, right? No, that's not how this... You can't do bad and get good. That's a big moral principle. But that's how he responds to truth. Then we have the three wise men who come and say, Look, it's been prophesied from Isaiah, I think. I don't know. It doesn't give me the reference. But he does say, through the scriptures here, and you, land of Judah, right? you shall see the great king come from you. And so the three kings, the other kings, the wise men, are they wise because they followed stars? No. They are wise because they responded well to truth. The truth did not change between Herod and them. They responded very differently. Their response was the response that should be, that of great awe. And worship but Herod had his own plan we too have the choice of whether we will respond to the truth of Jesus Christ or whether we will let it scare us and here's why it scares us because we are not yet ready for someone else to sit on the throne of our hearts except us we like to imagine that this is our heart right here this chair Right? I love that we used to have a dais where we would sit probably before the tabernacle was in here. But this is how we all imagine ourselves, as king of the castle. And if I am there, no one else can be there. Because anyone else who challenges my kingship is a threat and therefore should be killed. Yes, thank you for playing the Herod at home game. Because Jesus is a threat to us. Because when we sit on the throne of our hearts we are able to allow a certain amount of sin in the kingdom we have our favorite sins the ones that we're not to it's just a white lie father it's just a venial sin venial sins will still send you to hell be very clear sorry i get a little excited but don't we do that we justify we say no 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 i can allow some sin i'm the king i'll take care of it these are lies, not the truth. But We don't have enough room in our hearts for King Jesus, so we like to push him to the side and we say, you know what, you can be the king of what's left. What's left when I am done being in control. I will handle this situation and this situation and I will certainly handle that one, and you can have whatever's left over. The things I don't really care about, Jesus, that's, that's what you can be the king of. That doesn't sound like we actually want him to be our king. That sounds like we want to be the king, and we just want him to deal with it. But truth is still truth. It doesn't change regardless of how we interact with it. Either Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God, come down from heaven to be with his creation... Or he was a crazy person or a liar. Let's go into the scriptures a little bit more to show you how I think his claims are true. In the the first reading we have today, everything is related to light. Let's also say another truth. Without light, your powers of sight and vision are useless. If we turn off all the lights, if it is completely dark, you cannot see even though your organs work fine. Is that a true statement? yes it is thank you so let's look how the lord uses light in his readings to show the people who he is rise up in splendor jerusalem your light has come first of all rise up in splendor this idea of being clothed in splendor sure i will do that for us is this not splendor and what about it what shows you it's splendiferous It glows it twinkles it doesn't glow it's not iridescent but you the gold in this right it reflects off the light you see the splendor of the vestment so this is how Jerusalem is comported it's how they're told to act rise up in splendor first of all take hold of the glory that the Lord has given you your light has come things are no longer in darkness and sin but it's coming The glory of the Lord shines upon you now the glory of the Lord there was a very specific Hebrew word for this Shekinah the Shekinah was in the Old Testament and it was the pillar of fire that went before Israel throughout the desert and it was the pillar of cloud right fire in the night cloud in the day it was the presence and the glory of God so rise up Jerusalem yes Your light has come, double meaning, the glory of the Lord shines upon you in the Shekinah, in the glory of the Lord, but also when the light of the world comes to the world. That's when you will really shine. See, darkness covers the earth and thick clouds over the people, and upon you the Lord shines And over you appears his glory. These are lines of prophecy about the shepherds, about the wise men. Listen very carefully. See, darkness covers the earth. Nighttime and sin, double meaning. And thick clouds over the people, sure. But upon you the Lord shines and over you appears his glory. Again, the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord, the pillar of fire. But what else? What else shines in the night leading them? The star. The star is a shining light showing people through the thickness of cloud and through the darkness of night where the glory of the Lord came to be pinpointed here on earth. The whole reading is about the radiance and the glory of the Lord. The radiance and the glory of the Lord is what the Magi came to worship, to reverence, and their gifts are very telling about who he is. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh are not just like, hey, we went to Pier 1 Imports and we happened to pick these up in the five and under rack, Jesus. They clearly didn't have the same strategy as I did when buying a white elephant gift. I went for the lemon gift. I was a terrible friend anyway. But the glory of the Lord is what they came to worship, and so their gifts reflect that. Gold is what you give to a king, an earthly king, to say, hey, you're great. Be better. Be better frankincense is the gift you give sorry let me i want to make sure i don't screw these up frankincense and myrrh okay myrrh is the incense there we go frankincense is what you embalm a body with it is one of the spices that the women brought to the tomb to give to Jesus after he had been crucified so it is a prophetic gift that you will need this and then myrrh incense is offered to a deity This is how you would worship the Lord. Back in the day, you would go in and pinch incense to him, and your prayers would rise to the Lord. Pagan or worship of the true God, they all offered incense. So their gifts denote that he was man because he was a king, so we offer him gold. He would die for our sins, so we will bring him the burial spices. And he was also a God, God and man. Is that not what we claim about him? And this is what their gifts prophesied. If this doesn't weave together a web to you to show you that the Lord is actually the Lord, I will have to work much harder, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear. And that's the idea that the church wants you to see this week, is that all of this is to show God is who he says he is. It's not just a well-concocted story or a cleverly devised myth. It is truth. And that demands a response from you. Because if it is true, you cannot keep living the way you are living. I cannot keep living the way I am living. It demands that we act. And if the truth is convicting, then I need to fix that thing in my life that allows the truth to convict me. Namely, sin. I need to get rid of that sin that I allow in my life that keeps me on the throne of my own heart. That says, I'm okay with this one. You can have the rest of my sins, Lord. Truth demands absolute response. So we need to be willing to give up everything and abdicate whatever throne we've been been having. Either God is who he says he was through the person and the son of Jesus Christ, or he wasn't. The evidence is clear. It is given to us so that we would see it Epiphany means to show. And it's not that we are to show the others, right? We need to first show ourselves that Jesus is the Lord or he's not. And then my life needs to reflect that. That's all evangelization is. Changing my life because of the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, this week it's very simple. If the Lord is who he says he is, then follow him with everything. If he is not, stop wasting your time here.